Amen. Somebody praise Him with a hand clap right now. Come on, is He worthy to be praised? Has He been good to anybody in the house tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I am thankful, thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight and thankful for this opportunity. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. Amen. I always am so thankful that we have not just talent up here, but we have people who worship. Amen. They don't just come up here to sing pretty, but they come with a mission, and that is to entertain the presence of the Lord. Amen. And help get us to a place where we can get ready to receive the word of God. Amen. And they have done fantastic told brother Clyde that song that trio did Sunday night man it just it preached amen it was more than just a song but there was there was a message to what they were saying up here Sunday night amen we had a wonderful weekend with brother Edwards amen we're thankful to be kicking our Wednesday nights back off and I'm thankful each of you are here tonight amen I'm going to be mindful of your time tonight but if you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 And then we'll begin reading in verse 9, and then we'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and read some verses there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'm going to be reading in the English Standard Version. They'll be throwing that up here in just a moment. And uh, you can follow along there, and then we'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the King James. It says, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Verse 4 through 7, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, And when thou risest up. Skipping down to verse 20, it says, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? All this stuff that you've been talking about, all these commands, all of this stuff that you've been sharing with us, what does all of that mean? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us To do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God 
as he hath commanded us. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject. When the monkey reads the instructions. When the monkey reads the instructions. You can be seated tonight. We have all heard the saying, monkey see, monkey do. Monkey see, monkey do refers to learning something by copying something or someone without really understanding why it works or concerned about the consequences. Monkey see, monkey do is one observing another and watching how it operates and how it communicates and how it functions and, and then emulating that and copying that in a way that this monkey does what that monkey just did. I saw a documentary one time about monkeys and it was showing these grown adult chimpanzees that were there and they were trying to get a fruit open and they would grab a rock and they would sit there and smash the fruit and then they were able to eat the fruit that they had just picked off of a tree. And in this documentary, some little bitty monkeys come by and they too pick up a piece of fruit and they're over there and They're observing this fruit saying, now how can I get what's inside like they just did? How can I get the fruit? How can I get the goods? And so this little bitty monkey begins to look over at the big monkeys and watches them grab a rock and fruit after fruit they begin to smash. And you see the light bulb go off in his head and he says, well, I can do that too. And so this little monkey goes over and he grabs his fruit and comes over and sets it on a rock. And he goes and grabs another rock and then he starts hitting and hitting and finally the fruit opens. And it's this amazement. Wow, I just did what they did. Monkey see, monkey do. But there is a danger in this type of mentality. And that is that if we are doing or living a way that does not need to be copied then we are failing others who are observing our actions. Also, as important as it is to show that way, we have to speak that way. The children of Israel experienced one of the greatest victories ever. They could have and probably should have been filled with gratitude and thankfulness. But within just a few days, this seed of grumbling And complaining had taken root and was choking their hearts and minds. Israel had one moment of leaving Egypt and escaping bondage and crossing over the Red Sea. And you would think there would be just this praise that would come forth that would erupt for days or weeks or months or years because of all that God has just brought them from. Some of you know that deliverance and you know what that feels like and you've been to that place before where when God finally let you break through, there was a a worship that came forth. There was a song that erupted and a praise that came out of your mouth because of how good God had been and how thankful you are that he had brought you out. And I don't want to take away from them because they did have one moment where they had a song of praise. In Exodus fifteen twenty one, And they praised God for just a brief moment and thanked God for delivering them. However, the thrill of victory soon changed to agony of defeat. 
when they realized that where they were at and where they were going, they had no water and they had no food. You see, it's all good when it's all good. When everything's going right and you've crossed over and God's been delivering you from Pharaoh and everything's been working in your favor and God has been on your side. But the moment that something doesn't seem to be going the way that you thought it would go, something shifts in your heart and in your attitude. Because the reality was God was still faithful. God was still there. God was still present. But circumstances around them caused them to stop and say, hold on just a second. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but we don't have any more water. And I have not seen any more water. We've come into a problem. And so what do they do? They do what most of us do in situations like this. They begin complaining and they begin murmuring and griping. And, oh, oh man, we did all of that to get here. We, we went through all of that and here we are. It's the reality of all this thing working and working and working and then not that God is not working still, but we don't see him working the way we want him to be working. It's all good when it's all good. We can praise him when we're on the mountain. We can praise him when we're full of health and wealth. We can, we can praise him when we get at prayer conference and we're having all these dynamic speakers and these awesome moves of God and then Monday comes around and we're back to Monday. We can have these highest of highs, but boy, can we have the lowest of lows. Three days into their journey and something has already shifted. And they finally find water and wouldn't you know they can't even drink the water. They could not drink the waters for the Bible says for they were bitter. Now I know it's talking about the waters were bitter, but there were some bitter people there too. The people grumbled at Moses saying, well, then what what are we supposed to drink? What are we supposed to do? And so he goes and gets the the branch and puts it in the water and the waters get sweet. And then they have a, a drink and they're all content and happy because it's good when it's all good. But just three days from victory, just three days from Sunday night and here we are on Wednesday night and And things have not gone the way that we thought they would. And life has not dealt us everything that we thought. But just three days later and all of a sudden some things have changed. Exodus 16.2 says, And the whole congregation, all of the children of Israel, murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We found water, but now we're hungry. God gave us something to drink, but now I got to find something else to complain about. Now I got to find something else that's not right. Now I got to find something else that's not working in my favor. And now I'm hungry. Now I'm complaining against Moses and Aaron again. Then in Exodus 17, they face another water crisis. And they again, well, God gave us a drink. And then God gave us food. But now here we are again and we don't have any more water. We have nothing to drink again. And all over again, 
Bible says, wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? So I want us to get this context tonight. God brought them out of bondage, chains, misery, persecution, hatred, a place where they were slaves and God delivered them. Then he saves them from Pharaoh and his army. And then there is a miracle of the Red Sea and the waters part and they walk across on dry ground and they all make it through to the other side. Their families made it through to the other side. Their friends made it through to the other side. And maybe it wasn't the way they imagined, but it happened and God took care of them. And then they are thirsty and God gives them water. Then they're hungry and God says, I hear your murmuring and your complaining. I'm going to give you food to sustain you. And then here in all of this, all that has happened in our minds, what would our response be? You would think there would be people so thankful, so blessed, so much joy in their heart saying, look where God has brought us from. Look what the Lord has done. Look where he brought my family. My, we're not slaves anymore. We're not in bondage anymore. You would think there would be a, a worship like no other. But what do we get? Here they are again, complaining. Their problem was not simply a lack of trust. They were rebellious and they had resentment and they were totally unwilling to submit to God. We quickly see that the same rebellious attitude from Pharaoh is now being displayed in God's people. Now you see what a hold the world had on them. And perhaps it was just a seed planted but over time, that seed began to grow and it began to take root and spread like wildfire. And it turned into rebellion and stubborn unbelief. The second water crisis ref referenced in chapter 17 was just a few weeks later. And from their response, you would get the impression that God never did a miracle the first time. You see, because if God did a miracle like that first one where he turned the bitter waters sweet and he made a way where there was no way and he delivered me from bondage and he did all of that, that when I again approach another situation where I have no water, you would think we could look back and say, I know God can provide a water. I've seen him do it just a few weeks ago when we had no water and God made a way then he can make a way now. But the reality is there was seeds planted there and it caused some things in their heart that were not right. The people thirsted and so they grumbled against Moses. Why did you bring us here to kill us and our children and our livestock? Boy, they're pouring it on. Oh God, you didn't just bring me out here to, to destroy me. You're destroying my family, my kids, my livestock, my goats, my sheep. My, you're, you're destroying everything. You're destroying everybody. Scripture says we must not grumble as some of them did. We can't do monkey see, monkey do. 
That doesn't work when that monkey has spread bitterness and spread hatred and spread persecution and put things in our lives that don't belong. And we can't emulate that and copy that mindset and that mentality because whom the Son hath set free is free indeed. When God changes our life, we don't have to go back to that old way of thinking, that monkey see, monkey do mentality. But now I can get something for myself and I can learn some lessons while I'm here. I can learn about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. These things happen to them, Scripture says, as an example. But they were written down for our instruction. Monkey see, monkey do might work sometimes. But beyond that, they were written down for instruction. If you could read this, if you could get a hold of this, if you could get it in your mind and in your heart, it's going to take you a long way. It's amazing that sometimes even after God speaks or God moves or God answers a prayer that there are still people that find something to complain about. You know anybody like that? Boy, we had 50 get the Holy Ghost Sunday, but we should have had 100. Boy, they... Brother Clyde T and them, they did so good, but man, it was so loud. I froze the whole service. I had to go get 12 blankets out of the car. And somebody over here talks about how hot it was. It's real. You know it's real because your neighbor said something like that to you once or twice. These little things that, that come in that, that are little seeds. They're not big crops. They're not taking over your whole land. It's just a little seed. And you don't even realize that you're doing it. I was just venting. I was just getting it off my chest. I just wanted to say that. Even after God does some of the most wonderful things, we still get upset because it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. Well, God, when I said I wanted you to heal me, I should have been more specific. I didn't mean that little headache that I had. I meant my whole body that's been aching. That's what I was referring to. Or or we're praying that God would deliver somebody, and he does deliver somebody, but it may not be the somebody we prayed about. And heaven's over here rejoicing because God delivered and saved this one, and we're grumbling and complaining because it wasn't the very one that we were praying for. We ought to thank God for whatever he does, whenever he does it, however he chooses to do it, because you know what? His way is the best way, and it works. Deuteronomy 6 and 7 says, You, say me, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Not monkey see, monkey do, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to talk to my children. I'm going to talk to our young people. I'm going to talk to that new babe in Christ. I'm going to find somebody who's struggling. I'm going to sit down with them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to teach them. When do we do that? Well, you talk to them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. Or whenever opportunity comes up that gives you a chance to talk to them. Whenever somebody comes and says, hey, I need to talk to you. That's your opportunity. That's your God-given green light right there to give somebody some advice. To give them words of encouragement. 
There are three things that need to be imprinted in our minds concerning their experience in their wilderness. Number one is we have got to learn the lesson. God, whatever you're trying to teach, God, whatever you're trying to show me, God, in this experience, whatever I'm going through right now, whatever our church is facing, whatever's going on, God, you've got to teach me. I've got to understand. I've got to get this. I've got to take it all in. Because part two is we are to teach that lesson to our children and to our grandchildren. We're to take that experience and we're to tell them, this is what happened. This is the commands of the Lord. This is what God did. He took us out of bondage. He crossed us over a Red Sea. He brought us into a promised land. He made a way where there was no way. He found me when I was lost. He healed me when I was sick. And you feed that to your children and to your grandchildren and pass that on. The third thing, that when we teach these lessons... That we understand we are becoming manna. We're becoming provision to them and for them. The Bible says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We've got to make sure that we understand that when we're talking to them, it's more than a conversation. But we're giving them something that they can keep for the rest of their lives. We're giving them something that they may not be dealing with right now. But five years down the road when they're there, they can say, this is what dad was talking about. This is what mom was saying when we prayed that night. And she began to talk to me about these things. And now I see it unfolding. Parents are designed by God to impart, to teach, to share and to provide. Your children are a gift from God. Children are not accidents. Children are not mistakes. Children are not failures. You ought to grab your babies every chance you get and encourage them. Tell them they're going places. Tell them the hand of God is upon their life. Tell them they are favored. They are blessed by God. They're fearfully and wonderfully made. They're not little robots. They're not slaves. They're not somebody that goes and does all of these things for us. They are a gift from God that gives us an opportunity to share the gospel with them. That they may take the gospel and share it with somebody else. Psalms 127 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They're not anything else other than a gift from God. We should never use because I said so as a reason. When our children need clarity, just like you need clarity. They need direction and guidance just like you need direction and guidance. They need godly counsel just like you need godly counsel. And guess what? Mom and dad, you're home with them. You're there with them at the dinner table. You're there when they wake up. You're in every part of their life. What a wonderful opportunity we have. My job is to be a mighty man that takes those arrows in my hand. And I send them places I myself could never attain. They are lives that we're responsible for. My wife's been reading a book that talks about discipling them. Taking them in and teaching them and sharing with them. 
We don't brainwash our children. We disciple them. We teach them. We take godly truths in the word of God that are true to this day and will be true tomorrow and from here on out. His word is already established in heaven and we can take this word. We don't brainwash them into saying monkey see, monkey do. But we're saying, no, I'm going to teach you based on things I know. I'm going to talk about things that I know because I've read it. I've experienced it. I've been a part of those services where God transforms lives and changes people. As a king is responsible for the well-being of a nation and for leading the people in the right path, it should be no different for a parent who is responsible for the well-being of a child. God gives provision called manna. It's available, but somebody had to go out there and get it. God didn't open up their tent and swing it in there. Open wide. It was there on the ground, but somebody had to go out and get it. And somebody had to share it with their family. And somebody had to take that provision that God had given them and say, here it is, now I'm going to share it with you. And it's going to sustain us. It's going to keep us. It's going to make sure that we get to wherever it is God is taking us. We've got to lead by words and our actions. Our words and our lives should add up and make sense to our children. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself... And them that hear thee. One translation says, pay close attention to yourself. Make sure you examine yourself and see what you are doing. Make sure you pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. It's not enough to just say it. You've got to live it. And it's not enough to just live it. But you have to say it. There should be consistency between my beliefs and my behavior. If my behavior is contrary to my beliefs, then I'm confusing some people. If I come in here on Sunday and Wednesday and act one way, and then my kids see me act a whole different way at home all week long, there's something wrong. I've got to make sure that I'm in line with the Word of God. I've got to make sure that I'm not just living it on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I'm living it Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, every day. We've got to model what we teach. There's nothing more frustrating than seeing someone teach something that they don't know anything about. You ever been there? There was a guy taught a class one time, and I thought, this guy... He, I don't even know if he read the brochure what this class was supposed to be about. It had nothing to do with what we were told. Maybe I was just in the wrong class. I don't know. But the reality is it, it can be frustrating when somebody's trying to tell you something and a way to live and how to live and their life and what they're saying is not adding up. It can be the same for our children if, if we're telling them they need to live this way and they need to pray and they need to read their Bible And we're not doing that. That can be frustrating. I'm thankful that God did not go through the word of God and say, you know what? As a parent, seeing my children act this way is kind of embarrassing. 
I really don't want anybody to see that part of what's going on here. So I'm going to delete the struggles. I'm going to go through the word and I'm going to erase some of the stuff that's kind of embarrassing and kind of humiliating when my children didn't listen to me or when they acted up or when they misbehaved. We like to do that. We, We want everybody to think everything's grand and perfect. And, you know, you see these people that post stuff on, you know, those, those sites where everything's grand and everything's glorious and the house is perfect and, and, and they've got a million dollar home and make $10 an hour. And you're thinking, how in the world is that possible? How, how did their children behave like that? How did they get them to sit there and take a picture? How did they do that? We're training monkeys here, people. Monkey see, monkey do. But the reality is God could have taken all the struggles and said, no, I want to paint a prettier picture. I want to make it seem good and glorious. I want people to think that it's all grand. But the reality is that's not real life. My kids need to learn how I respond when everything is going right. They need to see me at my best. They need to observe and take notes when everything's going good. But I pray they also are watching when I'm struggling. And I pray that they're observing. And I pray that what they see is something that they can emulate. And that we can talk about it. And that we can teach them. And I can go sit down and say, you know what? I acted this way and I should not have done that. That I would be humble enough and man enough to go to my wife and apologize. And that they could see that and observe that and take that in and say, Man, even in all of this craziness... Even in all of this, we still prayed. We still went to church. We were still faithful to the house of God. I know it had to have been hard at times, but but let them see that. Let them hear those things. Let them see me be transparent and open about life and how sometimes it's not all rainbows and butterflies, but sometimes it's hard, but God is still faithful. God keeps his promises. God keeps his children. A lesson to be learned here is that Israel never learned the lessons. So while they were a model, it was a negative model. I heard teachers say one time, Landon, one of these days you're going to realize that in this life you're going to learn more about what not to do than what to do. And boy, was that right. Because you go through life and you see a lot of things that you're like, okay, not doing that, not doing that not doing that but how good it is when you do find something you're like man that's good that is good you know you can learn a lot from a lousy teacher you can learn a lot from hardships you can learn a lot from heartbreak you can learn a lot from storms from floods from trials you can learn a lot from those hard times and how many people during this last few months that don't even go to our church may not even talk to you but they've been watching you maybe your neighbors have seen you get up on sunday mornings still coming to the house of god wearing your mask coming faithfully to the house of god to some of our elders who are at risk and still being faithful to the house of god and still desiring to be in the presence of god 
to those that have continued to have a prayer life, that those have continued to reach out. How many people are watching us and they're saying, I want to see how they respond in this. I want to see how they take this in. I want to see, and how many people are being transformed right now in their mind because they've been observing you and they're thinking, there's something real there. There's something happening in their life and I want to be a part of that. How can I tell my children how to overcome something if I still have not overcome? There are people in this place tonight that are a testament that you're not doomed to repeat the mistakes of your parents. That you took some things in and you say, I'm not doing this monkey see monkey two business. I saw a whole lot and I I don't want to repeat that. I don't want to copy that. I've learned some valuable lessons. I've learned some things from my dad. I've learned some things from my mom. I saw some things in my family, some good things, but I also saw some things that I I don't want to carry on to my children. I saw some things in my life that I I don't want to be a part. I don't want my kids to ever have to see that. I don't want my grandkids to ever have to go through that. There are lessons perhaps that we learn while living for God that we didn't find necessary. But if we're doing our part to impart to our children and to them, their children. Perhaps it is their generation that needs that life lesson. You might have learned something right now that you're like, God, I don't know why I learned this lesson. It really didn't apply to me in this season right now. But perhaps one day your children or your grandchildren are going to enter into that season and you're going to have the words to say. You're going to have the encouragement to give them because you learned something from back then. It may be for your son or daughter one day. It may be for a friend or a loved one. Don't just learn a lesson, but pass that lesson on. They need to know about life when it's good, and they need to know how to handle life when it got tough. What kept you, Dad? What saved you, Mom? I know there was a while where it was tough. What, what was that moving moment? What was that point in service where God did something? Tell me, what was the prayers you were praying? How long did you fast? What were you going through? What was all of the emotions? And you can sit down and say, this is how I did it. I opened the word of God and it fed me. It sustained me. It was that manna for one more day to push me on to another service. And then another service. uh, And then another service. I got down on my knees and prayed when it wasn't easy. I said things to God that that I'd never thought I'd have to say. But I said it. And I begged and I pleaded with God. And I prayed and I fasted and did all that I could to get to this place. You're still a parent. Even when your kids are grown. You know that? And whether you realize it or not, you are still teaching your children by your words, by your actions, by your day-to-day life. Your adult son or adult daughter is watching how you navigate this life. They're watching how you navigate old age. They're watching how you work that crutch and that walker. All right, I can do that. The reality is you're still going through some things in life and they're watching how you handle it. They're seeing you remain faithful. They're seeing you get to the place where you say, you know what, I've, I've earned my stripes. I'll just, I, I can stay at home and go to heaven. But you've remained faithful. You've continued and they're watching that. We must remember we are always teaching and we must always remain teachable. 
I'm closing. Psalm 78 is a charge from the youngest to the oldest. You are to teach your children from the beginning the truth of the living God. You are to teach. Not pastor, not youth pastor, not Sunday school teacher, not the person over there on the pew. Not, hey, go over there with sister so-and-so. Let her tell you. You teach them. You work with them. You pray for them. You are the primary teacher of the word. And the reality is you will be teaching and have already been teaching them. This message stems from a prayer I was praying not too long ago. I was praying over here in the prayer room a few weeks ago when we were having prayer meeting one night. And as I was praying, I was praying for my boys and all of our children here at the church and saying, God, I want you to preserve them. I want you to keep them. I want you to wrap your arms around them, God. There's a lot of nasty stuff in our world. And and God, I know we can't shelter them forever. And I know we can't blind them to all this stuff. And, and it's reality. And they're going out into the world and they're going to see some of this stuff. But God, I, I pray that you would help them to see that. And God, if there's something that I'm dealing with and I'm not handling right, God, I pray that you would show me and that you, and boy, I, I asked for it and he showed me. Because as I'm praying that, God showed me a vision of me eating. And what I was eating, it was not that it was unpleasant. It was not that it was horrible. But there was other things there that I wanted to partake of. And so what God gave me in this vision, I kind of made a funny face to it and kind of shoved it away and made some mumbling, grumbling noises about what God had given me. And I don't want that. I don't... And in the very next moment in my vision, I'm taking that that I just rejected and handing it to my boys and I told them to eat it. And all three of them looked at me with that same look and said, oh, no, daddy. No, daddy, I don't want that. Immediately, I was like, God, how many times have I been given something in this life that wasn't what I wanted and it wasn't the way that I thought it would be. But God, you gave it to me. It, it, was, it was just what life presented. But because of my response, because of how I took it, because of how I treated it, other people around said, I, I don't want that. If he don't want that, I don't want that. If he's complaining about that church, I don't want to go to that church. If they're talking about that, I don't want any part of that. I don't, I don't want to do any of that. God, how many times have you given me something that I've taken and I I rejected it? And so, what did I do? Two nights ago, I got some Oreos. My boys love Oreos. They enjoy Oreos. They taste good. They're sweet. They're cookies. Right? Did you like it, Camden? Yeah. Yeah. But I, when they were upstairs, I crumbled those Oreos to dirt. I mean, I made it look like dirt. And they came downstairs, and there lies a bowl of something, not an Oreo cookie. But I got a spoon, and I ate that bowl of crumbled stuff. And I went, oh, oh, that's terrible. Oh, oh. And I said, all right, now y'all eat it. And Cohen takes off into the living room, screaming, crying, 
tears flowing. I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. No. He wanted no part of it. The other two are like checking it out. Letting it touch just the tip of their tongue. Checking it out before they commit. And then Cohen comes over there and I offered him a cookie. And boy, he grabbed it and chewed it right up and all is well. The reality was it was the same thing. It was the same thing, but my response to what I was giving them made all the difference in the world. The way that we act, the way that we talk, the way that we pray, the way that we entertain the presence of God, the way that we live this life is affecting so many people that we don't even realize it. And we're trying to offer people this, and we're trying to tell them the good news, and tell them about the greatness of God, and tell them this. But they saw you one time go like this. They saw us one time when we were like, I don't want that part of it. I don't want that. But God, let me pray tonight, God, that whatever you give me, it may not be whatever I wanted. It may not be how I thought it would be. But God, help me to receive it. Help me to take it. Help me to embrace it. God, because there are other people that are watching me. But God, don't, don't just make it monkey see, monkey do. When I take something and it's unpleasant or I, it's not what I wanted, let me, let me sit down with my children and let me say, listen, I, I, I know that this was not what we wanted and this wasn't what we expected for this year. And I know some of you wanted to go to school and I know some of you wanted to do this, but the reality is there's a lot going on right now sit down with them talk to them show them the love of Christ show them how to be humble show them the way talk to them teach them don't just say do it because I'm doing it don't say if you want to know how to live look at me and watch me that may work for some people but there's some people that need to know what thus saith the Lord they need to know what the word of God says the Bible said teach them diligently teach them every day every Every night, every time you have an opportunity, work with them. Let's stand all over this house tonight. God, how many times has someone else been observing how I handled a situation? And they had a negative outlook because of my reaction. They didn't want to try God because of what I said about God. They didn't want to trust God because I wasn't trusting God. Why would someone want something that I myself did not want? When the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining and griping and were negative and they just could not ever overcome that lesson, it caused God to say, you know what? Every single one of you that are, are negative, every single one of you that are in that mindset, in that spirit, I can't let it go into that promised land. I can't let it continue. And so the result was death. The result was there are things that have to die now before you ever get to that place. I know everything's not going to be pleasant in this life. Some of you that are older than I am, you're thinking, buddy, you just wait. But the reality is, you, if you live to be five years old, you've seen too much. You've heard too much. You've been hurt. You've seen the ugliness of our world. But there are people that are not just our children, but our children are watching us. 
They are watching and observing how we handle situations, how we're handling circumstances, how we're handling a pandemic. They may see something far worse than this when they get older. How are we handling it now that's going to prepare them for that day? And they say, well, I think I can make it. Because I watched my mom and dad pray when it wasn't easy. I watched my church rally time and time again when things got hard. Whether that was in an elementary school, whether it was in a Lutheran church, whether it was in a gymnasium, whether it was in a new building, wherever they were, they were resilient. They worshiped God. They baptized people. They, they prayed for people. They never stopped. They never stopped. And so I think I can make it. Right now, if you've got your kids around you or somebody around you, or if you're around somebody that has kids, would you just reach your hand towards them right now? And pray for them. God, you see this generation, God, of children, of young people, God, that are going to change the world. God, you see every tactic of the enemy, God, that would try to destroy them. They try to destroy the family. They try to destroy the marriages and break up the homes and cause confusion and chaos. God, we do pray for them, God, that you would protect them and preserve them. God, but also, Lord, there are things that are being given to us, opportunities, Lord. God, they're not problems, they're opportunities that we have to teach our children. God, to teach them when things are good, to teach them when things are hard. God, right now we reach our hands to our young people that are in another building tonight. God, you see all that they face, you see all that they're going through. God, I pray that you would help us, God, as we lead them. God, as we teach them. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord. God, to do our part. God, to not think that they have to copy us. God, but that we have to sit down and instruct them. God, and read your word. God, and do what your voice is calling us to do. God, I pray right now for every person in this building. God, that whatever life has dealt us, God, whether in our past or right here in our present, God, that from here on, Lord, God, that we would have a positive outlook on life. God, that even when times are hard, God, that we would look to you, that we would not hang our head low, but we would lift our eyes unto the hills from which cometh our help. God, that we would not be down and discouraged. God, but that we would rally with one another and encourage one another. God, that whatever life presents me, God, that I take it with my whole heart, God, and say, teach me, Lord. Teach me, God, that I may tell my children and they may tell their children of it. God, and that we break every curse, that we break every problem, every spirit. God, that if there is a seed of bitterness that's been planted, God, that tonight we pluck it up 
up by the roots. God, and cast it away. Burn it up, Lord. God, we want no part of that in our life. God, but tonight, God, we want to trust you again. Tonight, God, we want to declare your goodness. God, because the reality is, you've brought us such a mighty long way. God, don't ever let me forget. God, don't ever let me forget where you brought me from. Don't ever let me forget what you've done for me. Oh, God, it may have been years ago, but you found me, and you washed me, and you saved me. Oh, God, and I'm here tonight because of you. God, my children don't even know my whole testimony. My friends don't even know all that you've done for me. God, help me to share it. Help me to share it, God. Help me to make disciples, Lord, and teach God to live it in words and in actions. In the name of Jesus, we pray tonight. Everyone said amen. Praise God. Would you give them a hand clap of praise tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You leave this place, you ought to be singing and rejoicing and worshiping. You ought to go and say, I've got the best church in the whole world. I've got the best church family in the whole world. You ought to go home and wrap your arms around your spouse tonight or your friend or your loved one and say, I thank God for you. I'm thankful for you and I want to encourage you tonight in the Lord. Amen. Before you leave tonight, find somebody and encourage them. Find somebody and give them a word tonight and encourage them. Let them know that they're loved tonight. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Remember our announcements. Man, God bless you.